The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. COVID is changing the world as we know it, so let's adapt, shall we? You can take the time now to make sure you are financially ready going forward. This is the Whistler While You Retire podcast with Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency. I'm Patrice Sikora. If this is your first visit with us, welcome. And if you're joining us again, we are very glad you're back. During the past months, you may have tried to make yourself and your family feel better about dealing with the pressures of COVID. Perhaps there were a lot more takeout meals than usual, or maybe you made that big budget purchase like a pool because you expected to spend a lot more time at home. What did that do to your household budget? Uh, Tim, in many cases, I'd cut our listeners some slack with some of that spending. (laughs) But the question does become, how do you get back on track? Well, you know, Patrice, just like you said, 2020 has been a year that we have just probably never experienced. You know, it's it's full of challenges with with the COVID, but it also seems like we're just being bombarded from a multitude of directions at the same time. Mm. You know, you look at the virus and, and how it's taken lives. It's caused financial and emotional meltdowns at catastrophic levels. Um, it's costing jobs. It's destroyed small businesses. Then you got the trickle down effect of the emotional stresses, not, you know, not just to adults, but to kids, um, the damage to family relationships. So, you know, it's no wonder that we see so many people a little bit more stressed out than usual, a little bit more possibly irritable, angry, selfish. I mean, Mm, whatever the case may be, you know, normal as we once knew it just seems like it's disappeared and and we so badly wanted to come back, Um, you know, because uncertainty just does not rest well with people. So I guess for the interim, I think the, I think the thing we need to do right now is just simply take a deep breath and focus on the immediate. And I, I think one of the things that I really wanted to try to do for this podcast was just try to help people somehow, you know, just kind of reassess where we're at. And let's start with the, on the financial side of things, you know, and, and trying to, you know, how can we make lemonade out of lemons with everything that's going on? And and I just thought I'd create a couple of ideas to share in, in a very simple um, four-step plan. Okay. All right. A four-step plan. That's pretty easy to follow, I would think. So sure. who do you really think will benefit the most from something like this? Well, I think that the plan, the way I tried to design this, I wanted to design the plan so that it provides value to those who are years from retirement, to those who are about to enter retirement, and those who are, have already retired. But I believe that the plan will provide value a little bit differently between each segment. Okay. Sounds like you're covering all the bases there. I'm trying to, yes. <laughs> all right. All right. What is the first step in this plan? So the first step, step one, we need to know your budget. Those who manage their money well, I believe, are those who have a good chance of realizing their ideal retirement. And in order to do that, I I believe it's very important that we need to categorize your spending between funds that are necessary for your needs versus those for your wants. 
So for example, what are our needs? Food, clothing, shelter, healthcare, insurance, right? The needs, mm -hmm. the things we need to survive, right? Let's now compare them to our wants. Now I'm not trying to knock it because we all have the wants, right? But you look at maybe what, what are some categories of the wants? Maybe our, our TV streaming services, the expense to you know go on a vacation or sneak away for a while, which obviously right now is a little bit on hold, but still, what about unlimited cell phone data? What about an updated car? What about the Amazon Prime membership, right? These are all things that I think can be a little bit more categorized on the wants versus on the needs. All right, I will be the first to admit I can stray from my spending plan. But then reality hits when the end of the month comes and the bills are there. And I right. look at them. That brings me back to reality real fast. And at least for the next go round, I'm pretty good. But it would be much easier for my my psyche, my nerves, my blood pressure if I didn't <laughs> if I didn't go back and forth like that. Right. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that's, you know, this is not a topic that most people want to want to talk about. And I've just, and the number of years that I've been, you know, an advisor and, and a counselor and helping folks with this, very seldom do you get somebody that says, oh, perfect. We're going to talk about a budget. That is so much fun to talk about, <laughs> right? Nobody wants to talk about this, but just, you know, I, I try not to provide information to tickle somebody's ears to give them what they want to hear. I, I believe it's necessary that we have to talk about sometimes the difficult things. And in, in from all aspects of income, of assets, we gotta have a budget, you know? And, and I just think it's, it's so important because if we don't know where we're spending our money, I think down the road, it could come back to bite us. And, and for example, you know, one of the items on a budget is debt. Mm -hmm. What is interest costing you? You know, we all know that, that compound interest has been labeled as the eighth wonder of the world. Okay. <laughs> but when you carry a balance on debt with high interest rates like a credit card, that compound interest will work against you. So, you know, we must absolutely do all we can to avoid carrying balances on credit cards. You know, and if, if you find if you find yourself in this situation and you're listening in, you're not sure how to get out of it, please contact me. I'll, I'll be happy to share with you you know, so many different ideas on how we can tackle this challenge, because I'm here to tell you, it is not the end of the world. Okay. There are ways of doing it. I, I've lived it personally years and years ago when I first opened my practice, I did not handle money well. I was not advised well. And my wife and I went through some very challenging situations financially, but then we were able to get back on track with just some very simple steps, monitoring our spending and I tell you what, Patrice, the relief that mm -hmm. you get when things get back on track, because now you feel like you're a yes. little bit more in control of your finances, is a wonderful place yes. to be. Talk to me about the danger of minimum payments on a credit card. Oh, my goodness. That All it does is just kick the can down the road. And you know, makes it you, bigger. Exactly. You're only, you're only playing on the interest. Right. Minimum payments, they're just simply saying, hey, just go ahead. and I mean, they, they, they try to keep it very lighthearted. Just send them this minimum payment and you'll be fine. Well, all you're doing is paying their interest. You're not really applying anything towards the principal and therefore it just continues to compound for year after year after year. So a budget can be your friend. It, yes. it may not be something you want to talk about, but it can be your friend. It yep. can help you stay on track. And as you say, when you know where you are financially, a lot of the stress is eased. It, it really is. Absolutely. Without a question. All right. So tell me a little bit more about step one. So step one, again, I, I just think it's so important that we categorize what do we need versus what we want. 
Now, if somebody's struggling with that, again, bring in a neutral third party, right? <laughs> That's, I'm not trying to be rude to anybody from the standpoint, but when we sit down and we go through the different categories of, you know, what's your living expenses? What are your insurance expenses? You know, what are your utilities? Um, you know, what, what are your contributions? Just we, we can categorize that. The software I use helps us with that. You know, do we have a car payment? If so, when's it going to be paid off? You know, mm -hmm. do we not have a car payment, but maybe down the road, we do need a car payment. You know, how do we budget for that? So I just think it's important to address that, whether we are decades from retirement or we are on the cusp of retirement or already in that phase of life. I think it's just important to know where we're spending our money, because from the standpoint of if we like you just said, if we if we have an idea of exactly where we're at and what we can allot there, it kind of rules out a lot of, ex, you know, surprises with expenses down right. the road. All right. All right. That's step one. Let's step move one. on to step two. Tell me about okay. that. So step two is a, is a really good follow-up to step one. Number two is we have to have an emergency fund. The emergency fund should be comprised of three to six months of monthly expenses. So that's why we, we, want, we mm. want to start with step one as a budget. So once you've properly identified your spending from taking the time to establish your budget, now you need to do yourself and your family a favor by funding an account that is earmarked specifically and only for emergencies. So for example, here's some characteristics of what I call a good emergency fund. Okay. Right. Number one, it needs to contain three to six months of expenses. Like I just said a few minutes ago. So when we sit down and we go through all of different, the different expenses we have wants versus needs, and let's say that number's $4,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. Three to six months means we need to have anywhere at a minimum of twelve thousand dollars in an emergency fund. Okay, that's kind of how we're that's kind of okay. how we're figuring the math here. So, so no, number two would be the funds must be liquid; they must be easily accessible. So, for example, maybe we want to find an online interest-bearing account. Maybe we try to earn a little bit of interest on it. We're not investing the money because that's not the purpose of this fund, but we need to make sure that the funds are liquid. And finally, we need to make sure the funds are used only for emergencies. Okay. Updating the kitchen is not an emergency. Okay. Those funds are strictly for an emergency situation that comes up. Gee, I so, put the kitchen in there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, as long as we've still got a stove and a refrigerator right. and a microwave, it's fine. Leave it alone. Right. <laughs> so like, for example, Patrice, you know, think back, you know, what was a memorable, memorable situation that cost you some money that wasn't oh. part of a plan? Plumbing. Plumbing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Plumbing breaks. The car, you know, you start the car, you're getting ready to go somewhere and here comes that right. wonderful dreaded service light, right? Um, unexpected visits to the doctor. That's happened to a lot of people right now. Right. You know, freezer quits, you know, or even worse, your hours are cut back or you're let go altogether. You know, yeah. we, we know life is no respecter of persons, regardless of your gender, your race, your background, your education, your income, life will happen to you on its own terms and without asking your permission. So the situation can either be a financial catastrophe or financial inconvenience. Hmm. All right. Um, most of the things you were talking about there certainly seem to be closer to catastrophe than inconvenience. Yes. But uh, yeah, so three months worth of funds, right? I, I would say that's a good place to start. And then once we get to that point, here's the reason why the difference between a catastrophe can be transitioned to an inconvenience. Okay. okay? So for example... Let's talk about that service engine light. We go out to the car, we're getting ready to run to the store. We turn on the, on the, on the car, start back out of the driveway and boom, here comes a service engine light. 
okay? This can be construed as a financial catastrophe because maybe now you get a hold of your mechanic, you take it in to check it out, he pinpoints the problem, says it's gonna cost you about $800 for the repair. You need your car, but you don't have the cash. So what do right. what does most everybody to do? Credit card. They pull out the credit card. Yep. You're exactly right. So depending upon how much we can apply to new balance on the credit card, mm. the $800 repair could end up costing you even more when you factor in high interest rates on carrying the balance to your card, right? So that's kind of a catastrophe. It was it was something that where we did not have the liquid cash to pay for that expense. So that's what right. I call a catastrophe. Now let's go through the same scenario with the check engine light and the $800 repair bill, right? But at this point, you have established an emergency fund. Let's say there's $5,000 in that account. Now the $800 bill is not so much more, more as a catastrophe. It's not as in, it's an inconvenience. Like, man, I got I to take time off of work or I got to drop the car off. But you know what? You now have the funds to pay the $800 bill. It gets fixed. Your car's running again. So you right? pull out you pull out the uh, the checkbook instead of the credit card. It's exactly right. You've right. got the cash in hand. If it's if you got it in a savings account, whatever the case may be, you've got the money. You don't have to, you know, increase debt to pay down a bill. You've got the money in an account that was designed purposefully for something you did not plan. Now that occurrence becomes part of the past, and now you can focus on replenishing the emergency fund mm -hmm. with that eight hundred dollars you just spent. But you've. If you really do have a catastrophe, you shouldn't feel guilty about pulling no. out the card. Not at all. Absolutely not. It's there for that. You know, right. it's, it, that's why that's why it's there. It's it's a matter of if it happens, it happens. You know, I'm, we're not trying to come across from the standpoint of, you know, berating somebody because they had to pull something out that was unexpected. But if we have that emergency fund set up, mm -hmm. this is where it can truly be such a wonderful situation where you can simply just, you know, take a deep breath. For, for you know, for example. Let's say we get that note from our from our boss and our hours are being cut back or heaven forbid that they, they, we, we lost our job altogether. Yeah. Okay. Now we have that emergency fund that contains between three to six months of funds needed to pay your monthly expenses. What does that do? It gives us time to work on replacing the lost income. It, the emergency fund gives you time to react. Right. You know, it, it just, it gives you a time to say, okay, this really, really stinks. What are we going to do? Um, where am I going to find a job? But, but my point of it is we can now focus our attention on addressing the problem. And now we can pull the funds that we need to pay for the utilities to keep food in the refrigerator, to keep the kids, you know, at school. I mean, it, you see where I'm going with this. It gives oh, yeah. us the, the financial health, allows us to maintain our mental health and allows, allows us to focus in on, okay, if I lost my job or get my hours cut back, it gives me now time to react. Step one, know your budget. Step two, this emergency fund, and we've just explained, or Tim, you've just explained just how important that could be. Yep. Step three. You know, I think step three is now to kind of continue to build from this. Once we've got one and two pretty well addressed, I think now we need to step into step three, which is what I like to, so, like to say is an important to incorporate a strategy that provides safety to your principal and opportunity for growth to your retirement account. Okay. Look at what happened to the stock market earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Look at the stock market right now. Where is it going to go from here? I mean, it is just, it continues to bounce all over the place. There are some economists who are, are seeing similarities between today's market and what the market looked like on the eve of the 1929 crash. Now, again, I am not trying to instill fear at all. Main Street Media does enough of that already. Okay. I don't need to <laughs> do that. Right. My point though, is to take steps now 
so that your retirement account is protected should we encounter another volatile stock market. You know, Patrice, didn't we just talk about this in a previous episode? I do believe we did. (laughs) I do. And it was called Zero is My Hero. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. You got it. Zero is the hero. You know, so so again, if you're listening in and maybe this is the first or second time you've, you've heard us speak, you know, check out to episode number two. You know, that episode was purely designed to tell a, a story about a wonderful lady named Judy and, and what she experienced when the stock market went very well. Also, what happened to her account when the stock market did not go well. So, you know, when we're in a growing market, that strategy still provides an opportunity for growth to the account value. That's what we want. We still need some growth. We still need appreciation on our account value. I specialize in identifying and removing unnecessary risk using a proprietary process. You know, my clients have discovered this process to provide significant value to their overall plan. So if you're not really experiencing that, if you're not really sure what I'm referring to, you know, how do we provide safety and principle to, you know, safety to the principle mm-hmm. and opportunity for growth? You know, how do we do that without sacrificing the opportunity for growth? Well, you know, feel free to reach out. You know, we'll get a time, we'll take some time to get acquainted. I can begin the process to identify and eliminate any potential pitfalls that can negatively impact your retirement income plan. And this is really important to a a retirement account because you don't have to make up lost ground. That's exactly right. If we don't have to go backwards, that is such a huge benefit. You know, you look back to the years between 2000 and 2009, they called that the lost decade because we really did not appreciate any value in the markets over that 10 year period of time. So we were kind of flat. Well, we also experienced some significant growth during that 10 years. We also experienced some significant loss. So you compound that, that emotional level when our accounts are maybe a little bit higher than they used to be. And we're pretty happy about that. Then all of a sudden now the markets start to take it away and retract. Now it makes us a little bit nervous. So now you add in the element of uncertainty, which adds in the element element of stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety. And if you're pulling income from an account that's losing value, that is not the optimal time for that to happen. Absolutely. All right. Give me something positive here. Step four. (laughs) Step four. All right. This one here, I think can really be positive. I think we need to focus in on finding ways to create more tax-free funds. Now, we all know there's a lot of uncertainty right now with with the election. That's fine. Here's my thought. Regardless of who's in the White House in 2021 and beyond, tax rates are poised for a major realignment. They have to. I mean, let me jump in here because we have right now we are at levels we have not seen in yep. decades. Low levels, by the way. Yep, exactly. You know, and, and no one listening is any more frustrated than I am by how the government has mismanaged our funds that we pay them through our taxes, yep. both from the state and federal levels. We're just it feels like we're just being taxed to death, which makes it the all the more challenging to reach financial goals. So I just kind of feel like the best way to battle that is to eliminate the share that you pay to the IRS. Ah, I'm okay. I remember this one too. Um, <laughs> one, two, three. Episode eight. Yep, episode the, eight. The IOU in your IRA to the IRS. I'll tell That's you, the right. first time I saw that, I thought, what is he talking about? But it made absolute sense. Please go on. So, you know, here's what we're trying to do again. And I don't want to, I'm not want to repeat everything from episode eight. I think we did a great job of kind of laying out that groundwork. But, you know, here's my advice on step four, how we can focus on tax-free. Let me break it down between two different age groups, okay? Mm -hmm. The first age group, I call those HENRIs. It's an acronym for high earners, not rich yet. 
Okay. <laughs> we still got a little ways for retirement. Maybe we're 10 years, 20 years, 30 years away from retirement. Okay. So there's, there's a, a good, better, best on how I try to help them with this recommendation is okay. So good. So limit your 401k contributions to the company match. So if the company you're employed with offers you a 4% match, at least get your contributions up to the 4%, but don't go above and beyond the 4%. Okay. Because yes, maybe your budget can, can provide it and, and it can allow for a little bit more of a contribution, but all you're simply doing is creating more of a tax deferred balance. Yes. Okay. For down the road. Okay. So, so that's good. So, you know, get your contributions up to the company match and now let's go from good to better. Here's better. Now let's take that excess funds that we have access to and let's maximize your Roth IRA contribution limit. Mm. Okay. So if you have earned income coming into your household, you have the ability to create a Roth IRA and a Roth IRA, again, just keeping it at a high level allows you to take after tax funds, put it into what they call a Roth IRA, which builds tax-free growth and tax-free distributions after certain rules are met down the road. Okay, so we want to create a better scenario by maximizing the Roth IRA contribution limits. Now, again, depending upon your age, the IRS allows you to contribute $6,000 or $7,000 a year, again, depending upon where you're at in life. Okay, so maximize your growth. And then the best scenario, going from good, better to best, the best would be now you're in retirement or getting close to retirement. Now we want to try to create tax-free lifetime income, not I'm just for that. Um, for that, that's, yep. Yep, absolutely. I mean, not, not just pulling income as we need it, but man, if we can create a stream of tax-free lifetime income, that'll grab your attention and provide some great scenarios you know, for you in retirement. So that's my advice to the Henrys that are listening. Second age group, to all my baby boomers, right? <laughs> if we're still employed, but maybe we're getting close to retirement, again, maximize your Roth IRA accounts. Get those contributions going to there. Fund those max, you know, maximize that Roth IRA contribution as you can. And then the second thing I would recommend is if you already have access to your tax deferred accounts. In other words, if you're 59 and a half and now you have access to maybe a 401k or a traditional IRA, now's the time when you kind of want to do some advanced planning and start going through some tax deferred conversions to the tax-free side. So again, I think we did a good job of you know covering a lot of that in episode eight. So mm -hmm. if you haven't checked that episode out, by all means, check it out you know, reach out to me, set up a time. Let's talk through that, whether you're on the Henry side or the baby boomer side and make sure that you've got some steps and strategies in place to start creating some tax-free money. And again, just to repeat too, especially baby boomers with tax rates so low now, these conversions might really be in your favor. They truly are. They really, I mean, the thing we have to look at, there's a couple of different, you know, ways in which we look at this, but, you know, if we're going to convert some tax deferred funds to tax-free, Let's say, let's say somebody's got $100,000 in an IRA, okay, a, a traditional IRA. It's all tax deferred. And they're like, you know what? We, want to, we do want to implement this strategy. So let's say we want to take out 20000 this year. Well, that 20000 will be counted as income. So mm -hmm. you get taxed as income level. So we want to look at where are we in the current income tax bracket? Does that amount we're going to convert keep us within that tax bracket or does it bump, it up, bump us up to the next one? Okay. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I've got relationships with CPAs. We've talked through all this before. My point is we simply just want to have a plan. We want to know where we're at, create awareness. That way, then when we make that conversion, we're not surprised with a tax bill that's due on April 15th. Right. Right. So just a little bit of planning there when we go through the conversions from going from tax deferred to tax free. 
All right. These are four steps now. Let's review them one more time, Tim. Okay. okay? Let's take it from the top. Step one. Know your budget. Step two. Set up an emergency fund. Step three. Implement safety and growth to your retirement account. And of course, step four. Focus on tax-free. If someone has questions about this, wants to get more information, how can they contact you? They can contact me by giving me a phone call at 309-291-0491. They can also email me at tim at thewhistleragency.com. And this is a four-point program you really might want to look into. Thank you. Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency, and that's Whistler without the T. To make sure you are alerted to new episodes of Tim's Whistler While You Retire podcast, all you have to do is use the subscribe button on this page, and you can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC.